welcome back to the Grace Chats podcast. I'm your host, Grace, um, and we're about to have a really exciting chat. Um, it's kind of funny, like, I sometimes have these guidelines that I give myself, like, these little, um, I guess, barriers that I want to keep these chats in, and, like, I've structured out a whole entire chat, and today I just felt, like, I guess called, or there was a big weight on my chest to share something else with you. Um, so you're going to get a bonus episode. Um, so I'm still going to be doing the original idea that I had, but I just really felt pressured to do what I'm about to tell y'all today. Um, it is Sunday. It's a beautiful day. It's raining. So if you hear some thunder, that's what it is. Um, I say it's a beautiful day and I feel like normally when you say that you're like envisioning a beautiful sunny day, but I actually really love the rain. So I'm next to my window. I got my coffee. I'm in a cozy little blanket and I'm about to just like dive into this. Um, so we just got out of our like church or virtual church. Um, thanks COVID-19. And during the sermon, I was just feeling very like called and I've said that again, but, um, I already said that before. Um, but I really want to share with you my testimony, I guess, or my story. And originally I was like, let me start by saying that this makes me really uncomfortable to talk about um, because it is extremely out of my comfort zone. And originally when I had that thought, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to share it in our self-love club group. Like, I'm just going to show those ladies. And then something else was like, no, Grace, like you need to share this with everyone. And so here I am. <laughs> I'm about to tell you um a little my story and it's not gonna be the entire thing just because if I was to sit here and tell you my whole entire story then we would be here for a little bit of time um but I just wanted to give y'all kind of like what got me here why I'm doing what I'm doing um and that kind of thing so I guess my story would start um I got married when I was 19 years old to someone I went to high school with um, they were in the military at the time, so the majority of our relationship was over the phone, um, in general. It was just almost all technology, like, techno, eh, what am I saying? <laughs> Technology-centered. Um, and I basically, like, ran off, got married, and he, at the time he was stationed in San Diego. So, in my head, I had been dealing with some family issues, which is why we're not gonna, like, dive super deep into, like, what got me there, but... I was dealing with some family issues and in my head at 19 I was like are you kidding like I get to go live in San Diego and um like have a house paid for like a place to stay at the beach I had never been anywhere like west or north of Houston Texas um which is where I lived at the time so I did that and I like packed up my stuff and I literally drove to San Diego in one sitting um and that was that and as soon as I got there I knew something was off um I felt like very unsettled, but at the time I kind of convinced myself that this is how you feel when you move to a new place. You just feel a little off, you know what I mean? Um, so anyway, time goes by and I realize, or I'm able to see that this person is uh, like with, for lack of better words, a jerk, I guess, not very nice, like not a nice person to me. And they were just mean to me, like consistently. And in my head, I kept thinking, like, what can I do to make this better? Like, why, why am I not, like, making this person happy? What can I do over and over again? And that was, like, just 
as soon as I got there. Fast forward, I find out I was pregnant probably a month and a half after I moved out there. So literally immediately. And as I'm sitting there debating, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, do I go back home? Because that's what I wanted to do. Um, When I got pregnant, I thought, like, I have to stay because it's better for our child to have two parents than it is one um, because if he loves her, if, well, at the time we didn't know it was a girl, but if he loves her, then, um, then it'll be worth it. Like, I'll just deal with this decision that I made that I will never have this like satisfaction or joy in my life. Um, so that was that, um, over time it progressively got worse. It turned into emotional, verbal, physical abuse, just awful. I have some really terrible things that, Um, I went through and some really not great stories from that experience, um, and a lot of manipulation. So, um, fast forward again, the abuse is getting worse and I had spent a lot of time with my parents, with my family, um, when he would go underway, which is like the Navy's term of like going on. It's not a deployment necessarily, but they're like in the ocean for a longer period of time. So... I was with my family a lot, and I remember when we would go stay with them, both of us, me and um, this man, and our dog, and Zoe, I guess I can just say her name, <laughs> I can't say the other guy's name, um, but when we go would go stay with them, I would go back with him, and every single time, like, I would cry the entire way home, just because when I got home, I knew that I would be isolated, um, I wasn't around friends, really. And my day centered around him and Zoe. So I would literally just sit by myself waiting on him to get home. He would come home and I would be like excited. We're going to have a great day just for him to be mean to me again. Like just for him to yell at me or whatever it was at the time. Um, And that was a repetitive cycle. And looking back, it's literally like it makes me emotional thinking about me like in that state because... I am not joking, y'all. Like, I would wake up every single day thinking in my head, like, this is going to be a great day. Like, I know that we're going to have a great day. Like, trying so hard to be, like, to push through. Trying so hard to be optimistic and positive about it. And every single day, like, there was not a single day that this didn't happen. Like, every day that was crushed. Like, every day was terrible. And, um, yeah. So my parents eventually kind of, he started yelling at me in front of them and kind of saying really not great things in front of them. And one day they called me and they were like, Hey, um, we think something's going on. And, um, like we saw the way he was talking to you. And if he's doing that in front of us, this is what they said. If he's doing that in front of us, I can't imagine what he's doing behind closed doors. And they were right. A hundred percent. Um, and I told him I was going to get a handle of it. Like I was taking care of it. I was going to you know, I was going to deal with it. Um, so time goes by and it is Zoe's first Christmas and we're sitting there with my family. Everything's fine, normal, whatever. And he says that he has to go to work the next day, which is his Christmas Eve. So he's saying he would have to work Christmas day. And he tells me this at 7 30 PM. So the night before Christmas day, like all the kids are going to sleep and my family's huge. So we all have Christmas together and we're all sitting there. And I basically have to say that he has to leave because he has to work when in reality, nobody freaking has to work on Christmas day. Like what a lie. Anyway, so I am 
he's saying that he has to go to our house because he doesn't want to stay at my family's house and like leave from there so he leaves I put out Zoe's Christmas stuff like I'm Zoe Santa that year and I'm basically like standing up for him like yeah he has to work in the morning I get a text or something I don't really remember 100% how this went down it was either a phone call or a text at like 8 a.m or 7 a.m which tells me he didn't go to work because if he had to go to work it would have been at like 5 a.m and he's like casually texting me saying like oh I just made myself breakfast I'll probably come over in a little bit like it ends up I don't have to work it was my mistake and I'm sitting there like what like first of all like I just said my family's huge and so our our holidays were all together so we eat breakfast together that morning just like I feel like most families do on holidays anyway so I'm really upset and then he tells me that he was out last night with his friends so he like left to go out and then that morning I went outside and I called him and obviously I'm embarrassed because my whole family knows that at this point (laughs) like what really happened they probably knew that the whole time anyway I'm sitting on the porch and I'm literally saying like, so are you coming or you're not coming? And then the, I will literally never forget this because it was a turning point in the relationship. In my head, he said, I'll come if you want me to come. This is to our daughter's first Christmas. I literally like in that moment, like up until that point, I felt like I was staying for her. And right then, like as if he hasn't shown me that before, he showed me, I don't care. And so I decided like that was it in my head. I talked to him that night and for some reason, I don't know what we decided, um, but we stayed together. My family left, cried again, whatever. The new year comes around. It's January 1st and we make a new year's resolution together to be better. We're going to be better this year. We're not going to do that anymore. Like our relationship is just going to blossom and be so great and blah, blah, blah. Anyway. It's, it's kind of like, it's kind of funny looking back on it that like we said that and it literally got substantially worse. Um, just when I thought it couldn't get worse, but it got a lot more physical and a lot more abusive, I guess I would say. And I just can't like, it just got worse on my birthday. My birthday is February 11th. So this is a month, a week and a half after we decided we were going to be so much better he um treated me like trash like literally it was probably one of the worst days of my life like one of the worst days I've ever had in my life and I remember being like thinking in my head like I'm turning 21 and I'm giving my youth like I'm giving my life to this person who does not care about my existence like literally doesn't care if I'm here or not what am I doing And, of course, like, a thought that always haunted me was, what will Zoe think when she's old enough to understand what's happening? Like, how will she see me? And how how will that affect our relationship and also her relationship with him? How that's going to be destructive and her relationship with other men going forward because of this. And that day, I think, I decided, like, in my heart and in my head that I was done. So, the next day, February 12th, literally, um, I told him. And I, like, we're going to get into this more, but, like, this was the first of many God things, I would say. It's because when I went into the conversation to tell him that this wasn't working out and that we needed to separate, um, 
I was open to conversation probably. Like looking back at the moment, think about how you like break up with an ex or something. Like I was probably like waiting on him to have this conversation with me. He got in the car and I started telling him about this and he wouldn't even look at me. Like literally did not look at me, acted like he was going to take a nap as I'm telling him that like this isn't working out. Like what do you think we should do? I feel this way. I feel like you don't do this. Doesn't say anything. And as I'm sitting there talking, like trying to make peace or like make sense of this, he says, I don't know why you're still talking because to me, our relationship has been over for the months and that like, I was like, thank you. Like not, I didn't verbally say that, but in my head, I like needed that. Like imagine if he would have thought like in that moment, I don't know if I was strong enough to continuously be like, no. And so he just kept acting like that, kept being relevant, didn't even say bye to Zoe, didn't do anything. And that was that. And um, so Zoe's birthday is February 14th. So it's a couple days after. And we had been planning um, like a family birthday party dinner for her. And I remember texting him or asking him, like, I, I'm like going off in so many different directions but okay I'm staying in the story so I remember asking him because that day that I said we're like I'm done I was in Texas at the time and my family had moved to Mississippi um so they no, no longer were there so I texted my mom and dad I called them and I told them what happened and they literally were like like I'm sure thank god and were on their way immediately to come get me and Zoe um so they're on the way to come get me. But before I told them to come, I said, do you want me to wait till we have Zoe's birthday party so that we can have Zoe's birthday together? And he said, why would I want to see you? Like, why would I care? Why would I want to see you? And I was, just, I was like, just mind blown. Honestly, I was just like, okay. So, um, we came back this, like this event in general, like always makes me really emotional um but we drove back the next day and Zoe's birthday was we got these balloons um like happy birthday balloons obviously and we made her a birthday cake out of ice cream sandwiches and it was me my mom my dad and my sister and this is just like really makes me emotional um but that was that so now that you have that background story of like that's the type of relationship I was in I said I wanted to separate so I moved back in with my parents I didn't have I I haven't finished college I didn't have my personal trainer certification I didn't have anything he refused to pay for my personal trainer certification and honestly like looking back it's pretty empowering because he's he said and I quote that it was a waste of money because why would I why would I think I would be any good at that why would I think that people would listen to me? Like, why would I think that I would be good? That's a waste of money. We're not doing that. So I moved back. My parents paid for me to take my test. So the pat, like for the next two weeks, I, all I did was go to the gym, read, study, and watch Zoe. Like that's it. Um, and I was so dedicated to that. The day I passed my test, I had already written up my resume. I wrote up, wrote up my resume and a cover letter and I took it to Orange Theory where I work right now. Um, before then my mom had told me like, oh, you should work at Orange Theory. The coaches get paid $25 an hour. Woohoo. And in my head, I was like, great. Because when I moved here, like I didn't even have a bank. I wasn't even allowed to have a bank account in that relationship. So I had no money. 
I had the things that could fit in a suitcase for me and Zoe, like clothes wise. I couldn't even buy her formula at the time. Um, I literally had nothing. I didn't have a car because he said the car was his. I like, I didn't have anything. So I was like, okay, yeah, I'll be a coach at Orange Theory. So I go to Orange Theory. I meet the manager at the time and I'm like, hey, um, I'm here to be a coach. Like, are y'all hiring? I really am interested in this. I have no idea what Orange Theory is. Keep in mind, like, I'm, I don't know what it is at all. And he's like, well, how about we have you come in for your first class? And he tells me how becoming a coach is such a long process. So let me, let's start me at the front so I can learn it. And then when we have our next audition, I can just do that and we'll go from there. And so I'm like, sure, I don't mind. Like, yeah, let's do it. So I come to my first class. It absolutely kicks my butt, which up until this point, I had only been into weightlifting because honestly, that was my coping mechanism for what I was experiencing. And honestly, throughout all challenges of my life, like the gym has just been such an outlet for me. Working out has been such an outlet for me. And it literally, like, it's my home. Like, I will say that over. It is where my heart is. It is my home. Um, so up until then, I had just been a weightlifter, forget cardio, and this class killed me, and, <laughs> but I loved it, and it also mentally pushes you, so I don't know if you've ever been to an Orange Theory class, but there's a coach in there, and they are pushing you, they're motivating you, and telling you what you're doing next, and all that kind of stuff, so anyway, I start working at the front desk, and it's kind of like I was being pulled back a little, like it was, it was like now that I was working at the front desk and I was working full time and I was doing good, we kind of want you to stay there. Like, no, you can't be a coach yet. No, we don't want you to be a coach yet. No, we don't want you to be a coach yet. And I kept at it like over and over again. At this time, I had been working 40 hours a week easy. And I also started this outside marketing like strategy, I guess, for our studio. Um, and I was responsible for that too. And I just kept at it. Finally, a couple months later, um, that manager was leaving and he told me when he left and he was like, Grace, you need to audition. Like, I want you to audition. And so I was like, let's do it. Like, that's what I needed. I auditioned and it was kind of a slow process. Once again, it's not, it's not like you normally put a coach through like now. Um, but I was just told to take a bunch of classes. So I kept doing that. And then I got told that I would go to training probably two months later. And then I wouldn't even be put on the schedule till two months after that. Keep in mind, once again, I had no money. I was making like this hourly wage. I didn't get paid extra just for going to classes and taking notes and training for this. And so I just kept in that moment. I literally remember praying and writing this down. Like I trust God. Like I, I'm trusting you. I know this is what's best. Like I know it, even though I, like when I got off the phone with our head coach at the time and he told me that I wouldn't be on the schedule for another couple months, I, I cried. Like after that phone call, I was so upset because I literally was so, um, discouraged, I guess, with all the things that I didn't have. So that's just that where you're going to keep moving. Probably a week later after I started this whole little, like this, basically this change inside me that I was like, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God. The next week he calls me and he says, they're sending me to training at the end of the month and I'll be on the schedule the next week. Just like that. Even though before it had been months. So that was pretty, that was like literally amazing and life-changing of course. So I became a coach at the beginning of September 
and I kept like working at it, kept working at it. Any class that he, like they would let me coach, I would be there. Like, <laughs> I mean that, like even when I was just working at the front desk, like anything they wanted me to do, I was there. And so I just kept pushing, kept pushing. And I, in that May, I became head coach of Orange Theory, um, at our location. And so that's pretty, pretty amazing. But let's rewind a little bit because I needed to tell you my Orange Theory story. We're going to go back and kind of like tackle this from different perspectives, I guess. While I was still in that relationship, um, we were living with one of his relatives at the time. And that's when I really dove into the gym. And that's when I realized I wanted this to be my career. My, like, this is what I was pursuing, fitness. Me feeling that isolated and alone, I realized, it was like a light bulb that, like, went off. I want to say, like, inside my heart. But when you think of light bulbs going off, you think of, like, over your head, you know. But it was genuinely, like, a spark, like a fire that lit. That I was able to see I wasn't the only woman that felt like that. Like, think about how many women were in the position that I was in that felt hopeless. Like, that literally felt alone. That they had no power. That they could never be anything. Because, obviously, I'm sure we can all put together as well, when you get pregnant at 19, it's not the most positive experience from the outside world and society. Um, So, I was told countless, like, countless things about how I would never amount to anything, um, that like my potential had been wasted. What a shame. Um, I'm throwing my life away, et cetera, et cetera. And that was also part of this. And I realized that all the work I was doing at the gym made me feel so confident and so strong. Like I could do anything and be enough for Zoe. And so that's where the self-love club came from is that like I can literally show you the day on the calendar when I realized this is what I need to be doing and I opened it up it was free I just put it on my Instagram and I was like hey I want four girls I'm gonna train you and we're gonna do this and it's called the self-love club and every group of women after that I would continuously change the program to be better every single time into what it is going to be I'm super excited about it now um but even to what it is now so I feel responsible and called to represent those women and it's not just women like earlier this year like it's not just women that went through abuse even though that is true but I think that society like bends and molds women in general in so many different ways that it can feel isolating and silencing and so I'm here to be that voice that brings me back to everything that's happened you know, me leaving, me getting this job at Orange Theory, like the person who let me audition, the person who gave me a chance. I am literally like at the time I was the youngest coach. I am the youngest coach in my area and I was the youngest head coach in my area, period, the end. And that's probably still true, honestly. Um, For them to even consider me like that is a blessing. And I feel wholeheartedly that my purpose is to bring other women up whatever that means like uh, to bring broken women fractured women who feel like their story is over to show them that it's not because I did it you can too it's not about me it's not about what I've done it's about God bringing me out of that situation when I chose to turn towards him um and I just can't even like 
share that enough. Like that is why I am so passionate about self-love club is because I believe that God gave that to me. That is what he wants me to do for him, for him. It's not even like for me, it's for those women and it's for him to reach those women. So I feel like I just needed to say that and I needed to say that in the beginning so that we're all like, this is what I'm trying to do. This is where I'm coming from. This is where I came from. And that's like that. And because of those things that I went through, like all of these motivational talks, like uh, when I talk in Orange Theory or on my story or make a video or do whatever, those motivational things, those inspiring things, like I used to pray every time I coached. Before I coached, I would pray and I would pray that God would work through me um, to speak to whoever needed me, like to say words that someone needed to hear that day. And that's genuinely what I credit all of this to. Like, my discipline, which I fully, like, wholeheartedly believe everything and I've talked about and I talk about the discipline and the consistency and you have to be, like, mentally hard and mentally tough and go after it every day. That's what it takes to get you out of your situation. But I just wanted to be, like, crystal clear and transparent with y'all that, like, that came from God to you like from me to you but God like giving me that presence so I just wanted to say that because like I said just to like be crystal clear and transparent um but that's kind of like where my story is at now um I'm still head coaching at Orange Theory and I am doing some stuff with self-love club it's going great and if you don't know what self love club is, you can definitely check that out. Our Instagram is it's self love club. Um, my Instagram is it's coach grace, which I'm sure if you're listening to this, then you probably follow me on Instagram. Um, I say this at the end of every podcast, but if you got anything out of this podcast, please share it with someone else. Um, messages like this, I really believe are meant to be shared, meant to be given uh, like as encouragement to other people. So if this helped you, please either post it somewhere or send it to someone, just a text, one person, make a difference in their day. Um, but thank you so much for listening. Um, my story is definitely not over and neither is yours. That's what I'm here to say. Um, and I just can't wait to see what's going to happen. I don't know why I'm like saying this but in your life and also with what's going on. So that's that. I feel so weird. I've never, ever said anything like this before online or been this vulnerable or, like, open about that. Um, So, I'm kind of, like, sitting here like, did I do that right? (laughs) Um, But I hope you all have a great rest of your day. And thanks for listening. I'll see you all next time.